smartcast you are listening to a mint production brought to you by hd smartcast hi why not mint money is a daily podcast on personal finance that helps you get smart about managing money we help you understand basic money concepts to keep you from making bad money mistakes why not mint money is your one stop solution to money matters so let's get started welcome to your money journey Hello everyone and welcome to this very special episode of Why Not Mint Money. I am Neil Borate, your host for this episode. Today we will be talking about real estate investment trusts. Essentially, uh, REITs as they are commonly known are an instrument through which ordinary people can invest small amounts in real estate. If you look at uh, what was earlier available, you know, you had to buy a flat or other property which is usually a big ticket size in somebody's life and uh, because of that selling those properties was also not easy reits have simplified both ends uh, of that process buying and selling um, and they have done so because they are a listed financial instrument so we will get into all of that further into the episode and to explain this i have with me vikash Kadloya deputy ceo and chief operating officer at embassy reit this episode is brought to you by embassy reit welcome vikash thank you neil thank you for having me over so vikash first of all if you could explain to our listeners what is a reit and a bit about their history and presence in india sure neil so simplistically speaking reit stands for real estate investment trust so we can think of reit as a company that owns operates or even finances underlying real estate uh, you know in most cases that underlying real estate is income generating which means it is either largely leased out and earning rents which can help be distributed back to the shareholders and what reits do is it helps provide a platform for individual investors to invest in large scale real estate projects uh, you know for example manita business park one of the larger business parks we own is about 120 lakhs square feet so it's large so reits allow individual investors to participate a, in a large portfolio owning such large assets you know by buying let's say one unit or two unit which is equal to a share so in in simplistically speaking they own large commercial or other income producing properties it's in a trust structure and the the way the framework is that it gives individual or retail investors opportunity to buy a share or a unit of that trust and hence participate in the underlying real estate so just let me go a little bit to the history of reits reit has actually been in existence for over 50 years in matured markets like us and in fact reits are 2 trillion dollar uh, asset class in the us us has over 800 reits uh, you know us and other global nations and in india the regulations while it was first set up in 2014 by sebi you know we at embassy reit with the first reit to be listed in 2019 since then as some of you may be aware uh, two other reits have got listed and in total the three reits put together have a market cap of about 60000 crores so we are seeing reits which was a new product in india when we uh, got listed in 2019 slowly come into mainstream uh, you know in terms of investment options and a necessary allocation to every inv- individual investor right 
Vikash, so before 2019, the minimum ticket size for a REIT was 2 lakh. That was brought down to 50,000. And then uh, a few months ago, SEBI further brought it down to 10 to 15,000. And uh, even the uh, secondary market lot size was brought down to a single unit. How low can they, that be? How, uh, how low, like what is the minimum amount that an individual can invest in a REIT? Yeah, Neil, actually, that's a pretty interesting question. So, you know, just carrying forward from what I said, how REITs allow investors to participate, you know, in large commercial uh, or, you know, other income producing properties, you know, SEBI has done a fantastic job. So what they did recently is reduce the REIT lot size from 200 units to one unit, which means an individual investor, uh, whether it's, a, you know, whether it's a college, whether it's, a, you know, someone at the early stage of their career or a, uh, a or someone who's uh, you know much later stage in their life, they can invest with as little as let's say 360 rupees in the case of embassy REIT by just buying one unit or one stock. So you know you can participate in large commercial income producing office assets by just investing, uh, which is spread across four cities in our case, 440 lakhs square feet of total size by investing as little as 360 rupees by buying one stock or one unit on the uh, stock exchange. So you know that's how. SEBI has made REITs even more accessible to small and retail investors. Of course, REITs have global long-only institutional investors, the domestic mutual funds, the large sovereign funds. You know, we have all of those them as part of our investor base. But because of this move by SEBI, reducing the minimum ticket size to one unit, which is let's say 360 rupees as of today for an embassy REIT stock, it has helped us to increase our investor base uh, by over seven times since we got listed. And that's phenomenal, right? It's been close to three years now. And just yeah. in the last quarter, we saw it increase by three times. You know, more and more retail investors now participating in this story. Yeah, that's incredible. I mean, that's almost the size of a cup of coffee in Starbucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so Vikash, just to clarify, one would need a DMAT and trading account in order to buy a REIT unit directly. Is that correct? That is correct. It's, okay. it's, it's, it's like any other equity share that you would buy. You know, it's, it's, it's uh, obviously they ha REITs have certain advantages on tax front, which I can come to later. But otherwise, just buying and selling is very similar to how you buy and sell any other listed stock in India. Right. Now, in terms of the returns that REITs have delivered, um, as I understand it, there are components. One is uh, the capital appreciation of the underlying real estate. And the other is the income flow. So the flows from the rent that uh, the properties yield. So how does an investor figure out uh, what the historic returns have been? And if you can give us an idea of um, what you know they have been and how they're like, likely to play out in the future. Sure. So why don't I just get the stats uh, you know, out of the way first, Neil. So since we got listed at as Embassy REIT uh, in 2019, April, we have distributed uh, over 4,800 crores as dividends. So probably the highest dividend uh, compared to all other uh, real estate companies in India put together over the same period of the last 10 quarters. And the total return, you spoke about what's been the total, total return uh, since we got listed was roughly is roughly around 40%. So the way we look at it is a REIT is a total return story, right? The product, uh, the one component of the return is the dividend yield. I spoke about 
how we have distributed 4,800 crores over the last 10 quarters. The second component is the capital appreciation, which uh, you get uh, given the growth levers which the underlying business or the assets have. Now, let me take a step back here. What is it that is giving the retail investors or the large institutional investors this return? You know, fundamentally, the business is to own, operate large space, large scale commercial properties in our case and lease it out to global blue chip occupiers. For example, we have Microsoft, Google, JP Morgan as some of our key clients who, to whom we have leased out space. And given that the spaces are rented out to them, we earn what we call as rental income. And that is what is distributed to investors each quarter. Over and above that, you know, business has many growth levers, which we call, you know, levers which we have embedded in the business, which helps us to enhance this operating income, the rents that we receive over a period of time. An example would be there are many properties with the leases are legacy 5, 10, 15 year old leases, and the rents are much below market because the markets have, in India have phenomenally grown in terms of, you know, the coming of age of the India office sector. So there may be places where once the lease comes for renewal, we have a huge pop-up or increase in rents to bring it back to market. So that helps us to increase our rental income. So that may be one source of uh, capital appreciation or the embedded growth I spoke about. The second is in our portfolio, uh, we have a huge potential of about 9 million square feet or 90 lakh square feet of new construction that we can do, which are basically natural expansion of our existing properties, the land already within the overall campus. So as we keep building these and keep leasing these, we earn extra additional income, which helps uh, with the growth, which uh, benefits the investors from a capital appreciation perspective. Third example could be an inorganic acquisition. Like last year, around this time, we acquired Embassy Tech Village for 10,000 crores. And that has helped us increase not only our revenue, operating income and distributions, but it's also helped us improve our, uh, what we call as DPU, you know, distribution per unit to unit holders, the, the, the amount that they're being paid as dividends. So REITs give a phenomenal opportunity to investors to both earn a current yield because of the ongoing rents, which we keep collecting month on month from investors, as well as the capital appreciation through the stock price uptake, uh, which we see because of all the underlying business growth levers. So a combination of these two, I would say investors can target anything between uh, mid-teens to higher kind of returns on what is essentially a very stabilized uh, and a very downside sort of protected portfolio of products simply because these are hard assets. These are physical assets which are already being largely occupied by some of the globally best companies. So there's a great underlying credit from our right. customers. Vikash, on the returns, um, you spoke of 40% and you were listed in April 2019. So if one were to look at CAGR, would that be slightly south of 20%? Yeah, it should be around that. So what I did is, you know, uh, in the returns, if you see, we listed the listing price was 300 bucks. Uh, today, the stock may be at around 360, 365. But what is important, unlike other Indian companies, is that our distributions or our dividends is a very significant component of the returns, right? Because we distribute anywhere between 65 to 8% uh, dividends every year. That's significant. I would say roughly it should be around, you know, 17, 18-ish kind of a CAGR over the last 10 quarters. Got it. Now, Vikash, if you could... Talk about the taxation of uh, REIT returns a little bit, both what capital gains taxes are applicable and um, other kinds of taxes on dividends, for example. Yeah, sure. So one of the one of the best 
you know, uh, features of a REIT product is that dividend taxes, the dividend distribution tax, which is applicable to all other companies, listed companies in India, for REITs as a product, dividend distribution tax is completely tax exempt, right? It's fully tax free as per the, the way the SEBI has set up the product and, uh, you know, it's been defined in the tax laws. For, so, for example, in our case, of the 4,800 crores that I mentioned, a significant proportion in the last quarter, we distributed over 80% of our dividend uh, as tax-free. So that, that is really helpful and really helps in the post maximizing the post-tax returns from an individual investor perspective. So that's one component. The second component is, of course, you know, uh, you know, on the stock price appreciation, there will be capital gains tax applicable. And the percentages are the same as what it would be for any other listed equity, 15 and 10% for short-term and long-term gains. I think the way I would say is REITs are very tax efficient because the rental income which the REITs receive are distributed every quarter to the shareholders. And this is basically a pass-through flow. And it is, you know, it is exempt from dividend tax. So what that means is that over a period of time, total post-tax return from an individual investor perspective uh, really optimizes. Uh, Vikash, is there any interest component to the return or it is essentially capital gains and dividends only? No. So the, so, so to put it simplistically, the total, the distributions that we made each quarter, just taking it more technically, has three components, right? What we distribute every quarter, one, it comprises of dividends. Dividends, as I said, are fully tax exempt. In our case, dividends contribute over 80% of the distribution. So over 80% of what we uh, distribute to retail investors every quarter is tax-free. There are two other components. One is interest. And again, it is basically, you know, it, it takes that form given trust. It's a trust structure. So whatever the underlying assets are paying uh, to the trust, it takes the same character under the tax laws. That is taxable at the nominal tax rate for each individual investor. And then we have what we call as return on debt amortization. The So that again is not taxable. So of the three components, interest is the only component which is taxable. In our case, interest may be around 10 or 12% of the overall distributions we make each quarter. So effectively, the investor does not pay any tax on the balance, which is both dividends and amortization of SPV debt, as I mentioned. Over and above this, this is for the quarterly distributions or the income stream. Whenever there is any capital market transaction, so if you buy and sell a stock, whatever is the capital gains on that, you would get this benefits of long-term capital gains or short-term capital gain tax will be applicable, just like any other equity share. Fair enough. Um, now, Vikash, turning to embassy REITs expansion plans and the occupancy, um, how is that looking? So, uh, if I'm correct, was it 89% in Q2 of FI22? That's right, me. Absolutely. We were 89% leased out. Right. So, um, there was this big fear that when COVID came along, uh, there would be a shift to work from home, there would be less demand for offices. Uh, that doesn't seem to have played out in a big way in your numbers. Uh, now, uh, hopefully, the pandemic is receding. So how, how does this uh, affect your occupancy and therefore your expansion? Sure, Neil. So, you know, just to give you a quick stats on the last quarter, you mentioned that we were 89% occupied. Uh, you know, some of the other stats which just show how resilient and robust the business has been. You know, we had rental collections of over 99%. Last quarter, we distributed 530 
seven crores as dividends. We leased out over seven lakh square feet in just last quarter alone to to new tenants, and we received all our rent escalations, the fifteen percent escalation, and we are absolutely on track to deliver on the guidance that we laid out uh, as to our full year numbers. So business continues to be in phenomenal shape. I'll tell you the reason behind our optimism on the. outlook for the business see what's happened is what covid has done is put a temporary shock to the way business has con- conducted the demand and the supply side but fundamentally if you look at it these large scale corporates whether the names that i mentioned earlier or many of the other technology companies or large banks and financial services companies they are coming to india just to access the talent that we have in india so the huge advantage that india has is that it has got talent in scale the science technology engineering and mathematics uh talent uh, workforce that we have and our education institutes produce a lot of them year on year the global occupiers are here to access that and quite frankly the rent cost you mentioned about work from home the fear of you know offices not doing that office uh, sector not doing that well you know the the rents or the cost of leasing space is less than 5% of the overall cost structure the key cost that they have is the employees right because they are in india for the talent and that constitutes over 50 60% of their cost what's happened today is due to the massive hiring which again is because of a lot of outsourcing and offshoring offshoring work to india given the covid uh, given the covid situation it's actually even accelerated even more with the massive digital transformation uh, that's happening right now right so the india has got a lot more work you know a lot of offshoring and outsourcing happening companies in india have hired a lot of stem talent or the technology talent but over the last 18 months because of covid they have not taken any real estate decisions so you you have a huge pent up demand and at the end of the day for these large global corporates it is really essential that they are able to hire and retain the best talent now that happens when they can provide them a work workplace which has a lot of amenities which you know which is world class in terms of large open areas you know amphitheaters cafeterias all of the health and safety requirements and you know which are you know packed to international standards that's what they are looking at they are not looking to save money on rents by taking a property which is 20% cheaper they are looking to rent out a world class premises so that they can hire the best talent especially today given that attrition has become a huge concern so if you just put it all together you know given our scale given that we are an institutional land owner we are not you know we don't own standalone buildings we own large campuses and large office parks where we provide a lot of amenities we invest in the infrastructure for example just uh, a month back we completed a flyover at manyata one of our business parks so we built a full which kind of takes people you know commuters and office employees directly from uh, you know from the outside environment uh, which is as they are coming in and directly one one wing goes into the into our business park so you know i think today occupiers are looking at that and not saving on rents just to give you a small example in terms of us dollar india rents in india are are, are about 1 dollar per square feet per month so that's like you know that's really low so we are very encouraged simply because we know that a lot of hiring that's happening today we know that our core customer base the large international occupiers they are looking to access world class facilities and that's exactly what we provide so it's actually playing quite well to our strength and just to give you a sense of how we are 
preparing ourselves to capture to the de- pent up demand that we are already seeing come up like last quarter we mentioned that there was a 66% increase in the inquiries that we are seeing for new leases we are actually as we speak constructing 60 lakh square feet uh, across our four uh, cities uh, where we own our properties so we are doing lot more new development in anticipation of demand so i think in nutshell we see the outlook for commercial real estate to be very robust uh, i think it's a great time there has been a lot of uh, there has been a you know a lot of consolidation in the industry very few players left we have a great balance sheet we can invest for future growth and we are seeing that momentum from our customers in terms of space take up so pretty encouraging so there you go folks we have simplified uh, a new and very interesting asset class for you among other things um, reits can give you diversification in your portfolio so typically if you have equities debt gold now you also have a way of accessing real estate which was earlier restricted to very big ticket sizes and we have gone into what all a reit entails thank you very much vikash for joining us and helping our listeners understand reits thank you neil thank you for having me over and thank you listeners for tuning in goodbye listening in we're also available on livemin.com and if you're old school then do pick up a copy of mint for some insightful coverage if you have any questions you want us to address do reach us out at ht smartcast we are present on twitter facebook and insta and if you want to connect over email write in to us at mintmoney@livemin.com until next time it's bye bye This was a Mint production brought to you by HD Smartcast. HD Smartcast.